the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We uh, enter into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program, focusing today on uh, the candidates running for the open seat in the 6th Ward for the Flint City Council, that primary coming up in just a couple of weeks on August 3rd. Joining me this hour, one of the four candidates running for that seat is Tanya Burns, and she joins me by phone. Good morning, Tanya. Hey, good morning, Tom, and to all your listeners. Um, Tanya, I've, I've asked some variation of this question of all the candidates I've talked to so far. And with all the negative press that the Flint City Council gets for late meetings that run into the wee hours of the morning and often not getting things done, not meeting deadlines, why would you want to run for the Flint City Council? <laughs> Yeah, now that's a good question. And I say that on behalf of your friends and family, Tanya. Right. (laughs) Well, I I think anyone who, you know, I don't miss council meetings, and I have been on to where it's been as late as 4 56 a.m. I always listen in, and if it's something I want that's on the agenda, I make sure that I weigh in because we have to be conscious of what's going on you know, around our city. I think if, if anyone who's running, it may be a little touch of insanity, but also <laughs> a huge a huge part of passion. You're passionate about the city. I'm passionate for Flint. You know, I want us to do better. I've seen better times. Um, I've been a business owner when and it was, you know, I was making a profit. I've also dealt with, you know, with a business owner, keeping my business based in Flint, but I faced a hardship and I went through something. You know, I went through it. So, I mean, when you're city council is a lot, you know, I think we need to make sure we're moving forward and out of the havoc and the 
argumentative, toxic state, I will not engage in messiness. That's just not me. It's too much work to be done, too much good work to be done, and that's my focus. Now, this is an open seat. Herb Winfrey, uh, who held the seat the last uh, couple of times around at least, um, decided not to run for re-election. So there is at least going to be a, a new city council person from the 6th Ward. Do you think a single council person can impact the behavior of their colleagues on the council and, and make a difference? Um, I can say that I think one voice can make a difference. One person's passion can make a difference. And I think that we, 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 we measure each other by what we see our other colleagues doing. I think that, you know, if for an example, uh, we had Sunoco. I was one voice who worked together with the owner whose business is across from mine. I've known him for over 10 years. And to say, hey, you know, we got to clear this up. You know, we've got a problem at this service station. They were call calling it Club Sunoco. So working, I created a three-point plan action plan with the owner and if things have been quiet i make sure during the middle of the night i'm one person i i drive the marathon of the marathon there's two service stations in our war the marathon on beecher row or court and beecher and then the one the sunoco on ballinger so one person can make the difference when we care i had a unity prayer so that we meet with all of the homicides and shootings to bring together the community so that we can pray together. We need some peace and calm. So one person can make a difference, Tom. You know, you um, talked about some of the things that are going on right now, but if you look back at the history of Flint and, you know, going back 100-plus years, there have been several times in the history of Flint where things just dried up and, and the city had to reinvent itself, and it's been a comeback city uh, on several occasions, but for the last several decades, it just seems like, um, you know, something happens, then something else happens, starting, you know, back in the 70s and 80s with uh, declining jobs and then ultimately declining city revenue, and then we end up with city managers and the Flint water crisis, and then the pandemic comes along. Do you think there's a brighter future for Flint? Is there an opportunity for Flint to be a comeback city again? And what does that look like? And, and how do we get there? Yeah, I worked, you know, my business got slow. I went and took a job. I worked at GM where my grandfather and my father had worked at GM. And I'm going to tell you, that's the hardest work in the world. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, but I still do it. I worked a third shift job there and still doing my business because I faced a hardship. Then I, look, I, then I went to work for the city in economic development. So when we saw in the late 70s, when I remember my father being laid off and having to go to the unemployment line, and we stood in the unemployment line with him because that's what, what he did. And so you never forget that impression as a child that you're standing next to your dad, who was a, my dad was a committee man at the time. And, and you, you never forget, you know, we had to cut back. So I look at them, people say, can Flint come back? Absolutely. But we have to have a team of people who are go-getters, who are out there, who believe, and people who have a vision. You know, we have to make sure that we keep pressing forward. Too often city council gets bogged down in their, dis their dislike for each other. 
and that toxic environment. And that has to change. Can we change? Absolutely. We're changing already. I mean, look at the, I'm, I'm a book reader. I love the new library. I'm excited about the new library opening up. We look at the cultural center. I've always taken my children on Saturdays to the planetarium because I prefer to take them to, you know, when I was a kid in school, we all went to the planetarium. Those are field trips. You know, we look at the Flint, the FIA, Flint Institute of Art. We look at the Sloan Museum, the Sloan Museum, how the renovations. So, yes, Flint is coming back, and we have to pay attention. We look at, um, we'll say, the, it, was, it was LLT. I think it's for Larry's Last Try. Then it was a Club 69. That building was demolished, and there's a two-story building that's going up that they're spending several millions on. So Flint is coming back, and we have to keep a watchful eye, and we have to make sure that we're getting people and business in here who want to be in here. Now, what's interesting, Tom, is I did a focus group with Jim Durian, Durian when we worked on economic development. The number one problem that businesses said why they didn't come to Flint was because of the Flint City Council. I get that. I understand that. We need to make sure we're not electing another messy person to add to that toxic equation. That's what we have to make sure that we're doing. You mentioned the uh, Club Sunoco, and that's been in the news a lot. And just recently, the uh, chief of police, Chief Green, uh, suggested trying uh, a trial period of using a uh, leased helicopter for patrolling. Do you think that's a good idea? Well, um, now I don't, I'm not against a helicopter, but I think we have to prioritize. Um, the shining helicopter that you know they want, I think, needs to be, we first need to make sure we're keeping our officers safe. We need to get have an aggressive hiring campaign to make sure that we can answer the 911 calls, the domestic violence calls, the burglary calls, the traffic, if there's a traffic accident call. So I think we need to prioritize. When we send one officer out to disband a crowd of 100, that officer is outnumbered. And often, because we've seen them walking around parking lots with AR-15 assault rifles, we want to make sure that he's got enough backup. We need to make sure our officers have someone to back them up. One unit to disband 100, that's too much. Those empty cars behind City Hall, we need officers in them. We need to make sure they're safe. They're supposed to protect us, and that's what they're doing. And we need to make sure we're pushing them to make sure they have a partner and other backup so that each situation that they go to, that they can go back home to their families safe as well. We've had over 160 shootings this year. We've had 40 homicides. We're on a trajectory to reach over 100 for this year. That's astronomical. And we have to curb that. And the biggest deterrent is having an officer in a car. People just don't do 100 and, you know, speeding down the street. They're right there. When you have an officer that's community policing, people tend to talk and people feel more comfortable because you're seen in that community. We have to start making our dollars and use them. We have to think smarter and use our dollars smarter. You've been involved in campaigns before. Um, is this one different either because it's an open seat or because of the time we're in or because of the pandemic? Does it seem different to you this time around? I've, I mean, I've seen, I've been in some, and I've seen some campaigns um, and been in some. Um, is it different? I think it's, it's, um, 
it's kind of like crabs in the barrel messiness. And I think people, you know, I'm gonna, I don't, I never go to a residence home and talk about what anyone else has done because I'm out there working for the people. And I always talk about what I've done. I never say or claim anyone else's um, what what they've done or their success. We've got plagiarism pirates. I've never seen that. I mean, if if it's your work and you did it, you know, hopefully I can help you to make it better. I will never claim something that's not mine. I won't do that. I've seen a lot of unfortunate the negativity. You know, I, I that's not where we're supposed to be. We all lived through the water crisis. And at some point, it, it affected everyone. And that was race, color, gender, and it, it had religious, you know, it had nothing. If that water flowed through every single pipe in the city of Flint. And at this point, it's like, you know, we are supposed to be better than that. I hold myself to a higher standard that I'm not, you know, and I have not run a negative campaign. I've had a negative campaign being run against me, but that's unfortunate. God bless them. And I, I just hope that they would find something. Let's talk about what you've done, what they've done. So I think this is a different climate, you know, because it's, it's people, I, I can't say it's pandemic and people were locked up. Some people just have a mean and nasty undertone. And that's not what Flint needs. We, we don't need another toxic person on city council. I mean, they don't get through the agenda now. And we, look, we listen to the arguing, the fussing, the fighting, and the profanity that is used during council meetings. I mean, it, it, it's too much. And people, residents are so turned off from it that they don't go to council anymore. And we, we're made a mockery. If you go on the YouTube chat, people come in who don't even live in Flint and make comments about Flint. They don't even live here, vote here, but they make comments and they're steering the opinion to a negative way when you'll never hear them talking about where they live. They don't even probably know who the mayor is or if they have a city council. And we have to start standing up for ourselves. We have to. Well, I was hoping we'd uh, talk a little trash today, uh, Tanya, but uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I, I, we, we will get into that. We will talk about trash and some other issues uh, facing the city of Flint. But I have a break coming up here in about a minute. And uh, I, I wonder, will you uh, stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some I will, more? I will stick and stay for you, Tom. Well, I appreciate it. My guest is uh, Tanya Burns. She is one of the candidates running for the open seat in the 6th Ward for the Flint City Council. That uh, primary is coming up. August 3rd, which is uh, just a couple of weeks away, and primaries are typically kind of low turnout, but uh, um, as, as has been said by other candidates, this, this is a very important uh, race. The, the entire council is uh, up for re-election this year. There are three wards that won't be in the August primary because they don't have enough candidates to qualify for a primary that's the uh, first fifth and ninth wards but we're trying to uh, talk to all of the candidates from the uh, wards that will be on the ballot and we'll continue that conversation with tanya burns after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us we have some messages as well so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse we'll be right back Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with one of the candidates running for the Flint City Council from the 6th Ward, Tanya Burns, and she joins me by phone. Tanya, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, you know, I, I like you. I mean, it's jovial music in, in common, so I enjoy it. So, no. <laughs> Um, Tanya, I was I was sort of kidding around uh, at the end of the, the last segment saying that I was hoping we'd talk a little bit about trash. Several candidates for the city council have suggested that the city of Flint should uh, reclaim trash collection and bring it in-house, while some say that that's uh, not fiscally uh, feasible. Um, where are you on that? There, there have been some hassles with the the relationship with Republic. Their contract ran out. Negotiations broke down. There's a temporary contract in place, and now it looks like uh, Republic doesn't want the gig. I guess there are bids already in on uh, continuing forward. But what's your take? Who do you think should be collecting the trash in Flint? I actually went to, and thank you for that question, I actually went to the bidding process because I like to see, I'm very hands-on, um, and to see what was going on. I'm disappointed that, um, you know, Republic could never get their act together. I think the basic premise that uh, people want their trash picked up is, is a reasonable expectation, um, not just the trash with their compost and their recycling, to where people started rebagging um, they're recycling and, you know, they were doing something good for the environment, decided to start, you know, I can't get it picked up. I'm going to have it thrown away. Um, people have talked about having um, our own trash. I never agreed and thought it was a good idea having our trash to be subcontracted. I didn't agree with that. Um, I wish we were, we were going through emergency management. But the part that people have to look at when they say bring trash back, there's a process. You know, we have to have the money, number one. Number two, we have the staff. Um, Republic had problems staffing, and they aren't the only company that's had problems staffing um, for trash collectors or, or for waste management. Not only that, it takes about a year to outfit these new trucks. So when we look at, you know, how much does, you know, how much does it cost? You know, how much time does it take? We're at least a year out. So we're not really prepared, you know, to, to take on, um, having it in-house. Those trucks is what I was told are run about $350,000, and then it takes a year. We can't have trash just sitting out and around for a year. That's not even reasonable. So we have to look at the process and say, do we get a contract for a year or two, which most a lot of companies may not want to do that because they want the long-term, the normal contract that has been issued because they're in, you know, they're in the waste collection business to make money. So we have to weigh all our options. I like it. I like having it in house, but you know we're having they're having problems with waste collection. Period. You know, and how long does it take to get the trucks? You know, where's that money going to come from to buy the trucks? That's the number one issue. And then we got to look at the benefits package. How much is it going to cost for us hiring a uh, a person to work in that department? And do they have the capabilities? They're going to need a CDL. And it's funny, Tom. You're talking trash. And the trash is just going by my house, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday is my pickup day. So, um, so when we talk about that, we got to look at the, you know, can we afford it? 
you know, can we afford to pay for the health care, the retirement package, you know, the hourly wage? Is it beneficial? So we have to look at everything. And, I mean, right now we're in a, a, a bad place because, you know, you, I was listening to some of those contracts and some of them weren't clear. And I believe some of them didn't want to pick up the compost or the recycling. We need all three to be picked up, the, the, tra- the, the, the waste the compost and the recycling. So that has to be really looked at. And they're going to have to work with the administration on this. And the administration is going to have to work with council. So people are going to have to get out their feelings to handle the business of the city. When you're talking to people from the 6th Ward, what kinds of things are, are they talking about? What are the things they'd like to see council and the administration tackling? And... Um, are, are their needs different from the people in other wards in two or seven? Or? Um, each ward has a different need, I'm going to say, and we have to look at it when you follow council. Ward one does not have the same need as ward eight. You know, they don't have as much blight. Um, so when we look at ward six, ward six is kind of split. You know, you have one end of the ward, you know, we're looking at the demographic between even black and white and on a higher socioeconomic level. So we're looking at it, it's split. Um, and you have to be able to service the needs. You know, we have a blight issue, but not like blight in first and second ward. Second ward backs up to the sixth ward, and they have a really huge blight problem. You know, so we have a blight problem, but not like some of the other wards. Um, what are the problems we have? We have racing on Ballinger. But then that's throughout Flint. I mean, you can hear them racing um, all the time. I sit in my living room and you hear them. You can hear them um, I, I, when I have a friend who lives on Ballinger. And if I'm on the phone with her, you can hear you constantly hearing ambulances or if you're hearing police cars. You know, it's, it's kind of like a 30-second delay. And, she, and I'll say, oh, I just heard a, a siren. She goes, oh, yeah, I, I'm hearing them now. They're now down at my end. You know, so we know we've got crime. People are talking about crime. You know, they want to be able to walk out their door and go for a walk, and people don't feel comfortable doing that. Uh, people want to be able to go to one of the issues in our in our ward, but they, they like the nice gas station, but they didn't feel comfortable going there because of all the things that they were hearing. And, you know, in the, the nighttime partying that they, they had seen on social media, and I knew immediately that had to be addressed. It wasn't easy dealing with the, the owner at first. And him and I compromised, and I pulled in the four block club presidents. I called the meeting, and I called the four block club presidents, and I called the sitting councilman, Councilman Herbert Winfrey. And we invited Chief Green. He declined to come, but he was on the phone with Councilman Herbert Winfrey. Because when you have problems with the community, we have to convene and get everyone together. And there was a solution, and it's been working. It's quiet at that gas station now. It's quiet. The owner said, can, can everyone please quit calling it Cubs, Club Sunoco? I said, as long as you are doing it and complying, absolutely. Your, your service station, your Sunoco service station. So I'll give him that. He was willing to work with us, and that's what we have to do. You know, we, they were going to pat The chief of police said he was going to padlock them, and he wanted them closed at 11. Well, we know that the prosecutor, that's his job to do that. The, um, the police chief can suggest and they can start the process, but there were some issues when he said, we called 911, no one showed up. 
So I don't want to do reverse economic development. Let's work with the business owners to fix the issues. And those three fixes I came up with, number one, we need to make sure that you hire a, a, a licensed security officer. Number two, reconnect your cameras to the Intel Center. Number three, keep a call log and make sure that you adhere to all ordinances. I wrote that three-point action plan. He didn't have to do the close at 11 because it wasn't required because we've got issues at other party stores throughout Flint that have been going on for years. So, I mean, we talked about it. we got to work with our community. You know, I, like to, I got together. What did the community want? I asked the black club presidents, I, and I convened all of them together. We met at Ballinger Park along with the sitting councilman, and, and me and Councilman Herbert Winfrey, we confer all the time, and we talked about it. And then I brought the, 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 the business owner, and he had to be responsible, and he answered questions, and he adhered to what the community demands were. So I just wanted to move forward in a positive way, and we can do this for each and every ward. You know, if we take this, what, you know, what are the needs? Let's, let's fix it, and we have to work together to do it. Now, one of the things uh, that's being talked about all over the country is infrastructure, and the president is trying to come up with uh, money to invest in different parts of the country for infrastructure. It's especially sensitive in Flint because of all we've gone through with replacing service lines because of the water crisis. But yet there are still problems with the with the water system. And recently in the news, we've seen big sinkholes uh, opening up where water mains have broken and standing water. Um, what do you think needs to be done or what can be done to make sure that the water system, not just the uh, replaced um, service lines but but the whole water system gets back intact and and that the roads get fixed and bridges get fixed what what can be done at the city level to clean up the city with regard to infrastructure well one of the issues is we need to see what's left in the wind funds because there's restoration issues with lawns and streets that we need to make sure that we get those repaired and the last council meeting last two there didn't seem to be an answer, and council didn't know. I actually foiled to find out what's going on with the wind funds because I, I like to read. I want to know. Um, secondly, when we talk about infrastructure, Flint has a weakened infrastructure. They budget for about 250 water main breaks a year is what's in the budget, and we are having quite a few issues now. Um, I actually spoke to someone who's a DPW director, two of them in other municipalities yesterday, Tom, and what they were stating, I said, I need to know, why am I seeing all these hydrants open? They said, because the Flint's rep re replacing a main part, and what happens is when that, um, the PSI changes, it can have a, you know, that pressure pushes through too fast to where it may cause a water main break on a system that is old and deteriorating. So to relieve pressure, they're opening up the uh, fire hydrant to relieve that pressure so we don't have a certain burst. So one of the things, you know, that with infrastructure, the two things Flint has got to do a better job on is public safety and infrastructure because that's what brings, that, that's what brings businesses in. So we talk about the service lines. I believe there's almost 2,800 people, homes that need to be inspected. Um, to see if their pipes need to be replaced. And then another 500 that have all, almost 500. 
that have been identified. So that should have been done. It should have been a priority. Um, that's an outside job. Um, and, so I, and I get with COVID, but, you know, we're letting things to continue to roll over and roll over. And we have to do a better job of taking care of the people's business instead of arguing and having and creating a toxic environment because the people are suffering. All those sinkholes on Court Street, and they were just newly paid. That Court Street was just done. I remember being over two, three weeks ago, you couldn't get down the street because they had the people standing there with the stop on one side because they were paving. And then less than a week after that, they actually had sinkholes, you know, and, and people are tired. They're like, who's, who's in charge? You know, we need to make sure we're, we're hiring qualified companies. And I had a question about that company. That project is an MDOT project along with the city of Flint where they partnered together. And there were some questions with the company Diapano that some of their work has been questioned before uh, that they do throughout Michigan through the, through the MDOT. Always getting the lowest bidder is not always, you know, the, the best thing. And that's something that we can say that didn't work out. You know, the lowest bidder is not what we always want. You know, some, some things, like I'll, I brush my teeth with Crest because Crest works. So I'm not changing. You know, so some things we want to make sure we want something quality. And we talk about water is a human right. We want to make sure that people can receive water. You know, I also ask, are we with all these water main breaks, are we doing um, that, they call it bacteriological tests, to make sure that there isn't any bacteria, you know, growing in that system so that the community is safe. Each time there's a water main break, they should be logging to make sure that they're pulling a sample from that break to make sure that the public and that community surrounding it is safe. So for me to be on council, I want to make, it's my job to make sure my community is safe and share my information with the other council people. So this isn't something that I'm just now doing. I do it all the time because it's important. We got into the situation with the being poisoned with lead and drinking water from the Flint River and, and not having the water treated with $100 a day treatment because nobody spoke up. Nobody did anything. I'm going to speak up, and I'm going to make sure I keep going. And, and, and I'm gonna, I, like, I want answers. I've got questions I want answers. And I want other people to say who to work with, my colleagues, if I'm elected, to, to do the same. So we can do some good business for Flint. Good business. And speaking of good business for Flint, there, um, you know, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. You've worked in economic development before, and unless certain things get done to make the city attractive to bring in businesses that might be job creators, um, it, it makes it harder to do. Is there... Is, is there a plan, a checklist of things that need to be done so that Flint becomes more attractive to businesses? And how do we attract businesses that won't just come in and create automated facilities that don't take advantage of human resources? I mean, and, and that's, you know, Flint's economy is changing. I mean, we're looking at, you know, what are we bringing in? I don't think we need to just bring in just one industry anymore because that didn't work out for us. I mean, it was great while it was thriving, but when they left, Flint started dying, you know, and, and we should, you know, make sure we're learning from that. Now, we've got the universities here, and so a lot of people say, 
Flint's a college town. You know, not just that. We need to make sure we're bringing in technology. You know, we need to make sure we're drawing other businesses, medical. You know, make sure not just a one. Um, a, a, we're not just supported by one industry. We need to have other industries instead of just the one. Manufacturing is great for the automotive, but we can have you know other manufacturing jobs also. Flint was created with you know the highways and byways that you can make it to and from any place in Flint. I believe for like thirty minutes. And so we've got 69, 75, we've got um, 23. We even have the old Dixie, you know, and we talk about, you know, how you can get in and get out. And we have a new, you know, Bishop Airport. It's just been growing. I mean, so when we talk about we're not utilizing a lot of our resources, we're not. But we have to, number one, like I said, the biggest thing for focus, when we did focus groups, um, the biggest issue was city council. People didn't want to bring their business here because of the messy, toxic city council. And that is what we have to change because people are watching. They're watching and they're listening. Now, the ward that you're running in is an open seat, so there's certainly going to be a new council person from there. But are, are you anticipating uh, big changes this time around? Um, I'm hoping I'm, I hope the big change is I'll be the city council person. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking across the board, Tanya, not just in your world. Um, I I think that, um, we know certain wards, they're running on the polls. Um, so when we look at that and we know that, um, ward three will have a different council person. So we know they're going to be two changes. Um, I think some of those other seats may not change, but I think also, um, depending on who you have that, that's in there, they may be able to work with those people. I work with each of them actually individually. Now, you put them together, and they're, they're difficult to deal with. But separately, all of them, they're, they're different, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. you got to be able to know each other's strengths. And we got to stop the antagonizing and the pettiness. Some of those seats are going to change, but um, some of the, the other, like I said, Ward 3 and 6 will change definitely. Um, the other ones, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think we're really taking a look at Ward 2. Um, Ward 2 is, is interesting. Um, and th- that was going to change. And people, I mean, you can say Ward 4, but that's, that one's really kind of split. Um, you know, I, I've, I've worked with Kate before, and I know the young man, Michael Jones, and I'm, I'm hearing um, of Judith, Judith Priestley, um, and it's, I've seen some of her literature that was that was put out, you know. So I mean, it, we've got some changes that that are definitely coming. Um, you got Ward Five. Um, there's only two in that one. So I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think anyone can peg an owner. I mean, peg a winner, you know, at this point um, because this race. I and mean, you can tell how crucial it is because, and when it gets to negative politics. That means they really want that seat, and they're willing to do anything to get it. You know, I'm not willing to go negative, just not willing. You know, you've got people going negative because that's the only resource that they have because they've done nothing else. When you have nothing else, then you go negative. You know, so I, I'm hoping we, we get a group of people that can work together and really look at, like, you've asked me the questions. Can they answer questions on infrastructure, you know, in detail? I know that they budget for only 250 water main breaks. You know, are they going to, you know, what are in our wind funds? You know, what's happening with our trash? You know, are you present at city council meetings now? I've been present for for years, you know, and, and it's hard listening. 
husband too. It, it, it really is. <laughs> I know. I, I sit in on them occasionally. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> you need a trophy and a, and a medal for that because that's difficult. Well, Tanya, I, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future, and your campaign and so on. Do you have a website? Sure. It's Tanya Burns, the number four, with Flint.org. And then people can go to my Facebook. Um, that's the most easiest, the easiest accessible way. Um, I'm transparent. Please go to my Facebook at Tanya Burns. And um, you can see what, what I'm doing. I'm out there. I'm active in the community, and I, I share community information. So, And then also, inbox me. Um, I, will, I return calls. I always <laughs> return calls. So, and I, I, I make sure I do it in an expeditious way. So, Well, Tanya, it's always a pleasure talking with you, and thank you for spending this time with me this morning. Any final thoughts in the remaining couple of minutes? Um, thank you, Tom, and I appreciate you for opening up your platform to allow me to speak. And I'm going to say vote Tanya Burns for Sixth Ward City Council. You know, I, I, let's take care of the business of the city. Let's get back on track and move Flint forward together. Well, Tanya, keep up the good work, and uh, thanks again. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Once again, that was uh, Tanya Burns. She is one of four candidates running for the uh, 6th Ward seat in the Flint City Council. Um, that primary coming up August 3rd. And, you know, in an off-year election like, like this one is for Flint City Council, not, not every burg in Genesee County has a... Uh, primary going on or even an election this year uh, but the Flint City Council does and all nine uh, wards are up for election and three of them don't have enough candidates to warrant a um, primary uh, coming up in a couple weeks on August 3rd uh, but we are trying to talk to all of the candidates from the six war wards that will appear on uh, the ballot in Flint, and uh, we'll continue doing that. Now, I have a couple more people to talk to today uh, from the 6th Ward, and then uh, Thursday, the 7th Ward, we'll look at candidates from the 7th Ward, and um, then on Friday, we'll talk to candidates from the 8th Ward, and we will have uh, done all six. Uh, tomorrow on the show, it's Armchair Politics, and uh, I mentioned earlier that Mark Everson formerly uh, uh, high-ranking uh, government official under two uh, presidential administrations. He uh, headed up the IRS and was a high-ranking officer in the uh, INS and was working in the White House on September 11th. But um, he'll be joining our roundtable regulars. But in the uh, first hour, we're going to talk with... Uh, this is going to be interesting... Um, Jared Knott is the author's name, and he's written a book uh, called 29 Blunders, Big Mis... Or it's called Tiny Blunders, Big Mistakes, um, 39 uh, Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. And it should be, should be an interesting conversation. So I hope you'll join us Wednesday for Armchair Politics. But stay tuned today. We'll talk more about Flint City. 
politics. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, 
Where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with candidates for the uh, open seat in the 6th Ward for the Flint City Council, that primary being held August 3rd. My next guest uh, joins me by phone, Chris Del Maroney. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's good to be back with you. It's It's been quite a few years, but uh, yeah. Well, it has been a while, and, and you've run campaigns before, so I'm I, I'm curious about one thing, and I've been asking a lot of candidates this, with the uh, bad reputation that the city of uh, Flint Council has uh, with meetings running till the wee hours of the morning, often not getting through the agenda, getting things voted on uh, by the deadlines. Why would you want to run for the city council? You know, I've, <laughs> at the time I've heard that often along the campaign trail. And I just simply see a, a need there that um, I feel I can make an improvement upon. Uh, city council as a body, as, as an entire body, all nine members, not that all nine members are, but the council as a body is very dysfunctional. I know all the city council people. I've been going to the meetings, uh, all of them, for the last 15-plus years. And I think I can be a bridge between, let me say, the different factions that are on city council. Now, I, 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 you know, if when elected, I go there without an axe to grind or anything like that, I'll be willing to work with the administration. And I have done that uh, over the years. I'm on the I'm the chairperson of the city of Flint's board of review. I've worked uh, elections through uh, Inez Brown's the city clerk's office you know, most recently counting ballots, uh, absentee ballots. Um, so I, I think I can be that bridge that the council, the council and, and not only the council, but the community at large really needs, uh, you know. Um, so, you know, that's why I'm running. There's a need there, and uh, Chris, I believe I, I can fill that. You mentioned the uh, the campaign trail, and, and I can't help wondering if uh, – campaigning for this seat is a little different this time around being on the on the heels of uh, this pandemic and um, and and you know feels different to you and if the fact that it's an open seat makes any difference well it, it certainly it's different for I believe the candidate certainly for me in that you know we had the pandemic going on and you know in March I was out there uh, you know I I started to think knock doors and I thought well that's not being fair to everybody you know we're in a, a crisis mode with the pandemic no one's answering the doors so what I did to collect signatures was simply drive around and then as I saw people outside shoveling snow or trying to push their vehicles out of the car you know I helped two different people push their vehicles out out of the snow in March we had that five degree above and below <laughs> weather so um uh, so that was a little different. There was not so much door-to-door knocking on the door to collect the uh, signatures on our nominating on my nominating petition. Uh, so that was just 
people are outside or people you know you might stop by at their door you know they knew you were coming but you know to be wearing a hat and a mask and a stranger's at your door during a pandemic no <laughs> one's answered no one answered the door believe me <laughs> it just didn't happen uh so that aspect was uh definitely different uh you know uh it being an open seat uh you know there's no uh, you cannot challenge the incumbent on their record, on their voting record and attendance and things like that. So uh, attendance has been a very uh, big problem on city council. Uh, many members uh, show up late, leave early, don't show up at all. And if you're not there to vote and raise the issues of your constituents, you're not representing them in any way whatsoever, right? The, one of the biggest advantages of being on council is that not only do you have a voice now, but you have a vote. And I know it's only one of nine, but you have a vote, and that's very important. When you talk to uh, residents in the 6th Ward, what are you hearing back from them? What are their concerns? What do they want to see council doing? And are their needs different than residents in the 1st or 3rd or 7th Wards? Well, as far as the other wards, uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, uh, out on those streets and those wards, but what I've heard from the sixth ward, and I'm sure it's true throughout the city, uh, the biggest issues, not in any particular order, were crime, blight, uh, and crime is going to include, obviously, the, the drive-by shootings. So drive-by shootings, crime in general, blight, and economic development, uh, uh, they also, many were mentioning uh, about the, the, the bantering, the bickering, the fighting between council members, and, and nothing gets done, and the meetings are so long. So, th you know, those are the main issues. And, um, you know, I, I have a skill set to, to attack, uh, let me say, many of those issues, most of them. And, well, um, well, let's talk about that for a, a few minutes. Um, what what kind of background do you have, Chris, for people who don't know you yet, and and what would you bring to the table if elected? Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, you know I was born in Flint, Michigan. I graduated from the University of Michigan in Flint with a bachelor's degree in business administration. Um, I've attended um, you know fifteen plus years city council meetings, uh, so I have an understanding of you know what should actually happen at council uh, and and what is actually happening at council now. And they're two vastly different things. Um, I believe I'm a good communicator. I've worked with people, you know, people who dropped out of elementary school who were old timers and it was just, you know, come in and get a job at GM and work. Uh, dropped out of elementary school to people with PhDs. Uh, I've been in the, Chris, you're the sounding a, you're sounding a little muffled. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Am I coming in better now? Or? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I've uh, also volunteered in in our school system, working with elementary students, uh, helping them, you know, their, with their multiplication tables. And um, I've worked, uh, like I said, through Inez Brown's office um, at elections. I I know most, if not all, the department heads. Uh, so I, I think I can bring a, a good, let me say, a background and a historical uh, knowledge of what's been going on in council. Uh, many of the contracts that the city has, they're, they're at a disadvantage. Just uh, It seems like it, it uh, helps the vendors more 
than the citizens of Flint of some of these contracts. We can look at the you know garbage contract. Uh, we can look at the contract to back the bonds for the uh, uh, Rutherford parking structure downtown. Um, you know, I asked the council, you know, you don't want to back these bonds for the Rutherford parking structure. It's a parking deck, as you know, at Kersley and uh, yeah. Beach Street. And uh, but city council decided to back the bonds. We the city has paid well over two million dollars because the downtown development authority does not have the money to pay for the bonds for the parking structure. And, you know, the city of Flint will not own the parking deck at the end of the day. Residents will not get a discount and we just continue to waste that money. Um, you know, another Flint gave up the enforcement of the parking meters downtown to the downtown development authority. Um, so that's another income stream that the city lost. Um, so I, I think I, I'll bring some common sense to the city council and look at things in a very analytical way to do and to make decisions that are best for the residents of Flint. Well, Flint has had a very storied history going back a, a hundred plus years of, of mm -hmm. big changes and big comebacks. Um, yeah. Certainly... Uh, you know the the development of the of the automotive industry and and the UAW was one of the biggest that we know of from the last century but for the last several decades it just seems like going from one bad thing to another we started with declining jobs that led to declining revenue for the city um, that led to emergency managers um, some would say that led to a Flint water crisis and and then just as we're beginning to make some repairs and, and pull out of some of that, the pandemic comes along. Do you see a, a time coming sometime soon where Flint could be a comeback city again through economic development? How would that happen and what would it look like? Well, um, it can and I believe will happen. It'll be in the future, though. <clears throat> I don't mean... 50 years out, I mean, probably 15 years, I'm thinking. First, Flint needs to get stabilized. And for all the blight that we have in Flint, it, it will continue. Because, uh, you know, uh, I was at a neighborhood meeting uh, a couple years ago, and someone from planning in the city of Flint said that they expect the population of Flint to drop to 70,000. So as that does, you know, I tell people when people move out of Flint, when people pass away, they don't take their houses with them and they end up becoming eyesores. They be, become blight. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's more of a demand now for housing than, than recently, but you know, many homes in Flint are over a hundred years old. So until we stabilize Flint with our, let me say our population, uh, we'll get a better snapshot of, of what we can do. But here in the Sixth Ward, uh, you know, we're lacking services. There are no restaurants. Actually, one just opened recently in, Flint, uh, in the Sixth Ward. But for the longest time, we had no restaurants in the Sixth Ward, no laundromats, no dry cleaners. It, it, you know, and the list goes on. And when people don't have those services, they either go to another community to get them when they need them, or they simply move to that community. 
Chris, I so, have to put a comma here. I have to take a uh, sure. very short break. Can you stick around for a couple minutes and we'll talk oh, some more? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. All right. We're going to take a uh, very short break for show ID, and uh, we'll roll over into the third half of our three-hour tour with part two of my conversation with city council candidate Chris Del Maroney from the 6th Ward, that uh, primary coming up August 3rd. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 